OD Developments and Oak Dry Lining Limited. This is Adjudicast, a weekly mini-series on the latest developments in adjudication, brought to you by the members of 39 Essex Chambers who specialise in construction law. I'm Melissa Shipley, a barrister specialising in construction law at 39 Essex Chambers. This week, I'm looking at the TCC's judgment in OD Developments and Oak Dry Lining Limited. This really is a lesson in the perils of letters of intent. So firstly, the facts. OD was the main contractor, Oak was the subcontractor. The adjudicator had awarded Oak about £430,000 and directed OD should pay his fees. The hearing before the TCC was OD's Part 8 claim and Oak's Part 7 claim for summary judgment to enforce the adjudicator's decision. It was common ground that there was a binding letter of intent and no complete JCT subcontract form was ever executed. With that in mind, there were three main points for the court. One, was the adjudicator's appointment invalid because it was not made in accordance with the letter of intent? Two, was the final payment notice served by OD conclusive and therefore there was no dispute between the parties? And finally, did the letter of intent incorporate the JCT conditions? As to the first point, the letter of intent provided that any dispute or difference concerned with the letter of intent should be determined by adjudication under the current scheme for construction contracts and the adjudicator should be appointed by the president or vice president of the RICS. The notice of adjudication did not expressly refer to the adjudication clause in the letter of intent. However, it was wholly consistent with it the adjudication was sought under the scheme and the appointment of an adjudicator uh, was sought from the RICS, both of which are what the letter of intent provided. In the circumstances, the court found that express reference to the adjudication clause in the letter of intent wasn't needed. So the court rejected the jurisdictional challenge on that basis. On the second point, OD argued that its final payment notice had become conclusive. The court noted that if the JCT terms were incorporated, and if the final payment notice was validly issued, and if all the other requirements to make a final payment notice conclusive had arisen, Oak would not be able to reduce evidence to contradict the figures in an adjudication. But that was a lot of ifs. On the facts here, Oak disputed whether the final payment notice was valid. It also took the position in the adjudication that the JCT terms were not incorporated into the letter of intent. The court concluded that it could not be right that a mere claim by one party to be able to rely on a conclusivity provision is sufficient to deprive the adjudicator of jurisdiction at the outset. The court said that was clearly an absurdity. On the third and final point, which is perhaps the most interesting point, 
Odie's argument before the court was that the JCT terms were incorporated into the letter of intent at the outset. Although this had previously been argued as an estoppel by convention, that wasn't pursued. And the court said that was realistic because it would have involved the court making findings of fact that it couldn't do in a part eight claim. After reviewing the various provisions of the letter of intent, the court found that it did not incorporate the JCT subcontract terms and conditions. But the interesting part of the case is how that conclusion on the part eight claim impacted the adjudication enforcement. The problem was that the adjudicator had decided the case on the basis that the JCT subcontract terms and conditions had been incorporated. Whereas what he should have been doing is valuing the works on a fair and reasonable basis in accordance with the letter of intent. The court found that much of what the adjudicator had been doing would arise equally if he had been valuing the works on a fair and reasonable basis. The court could also see merit in the argument that it would be pointless to have another adjudication if the result would be exactly the same. However, ultimately, the court concluded that it was not for it to try and fathom if and to what extent the decision would be the same on a fair and reasonable basis. What that meant was that the adjudication decision could not be enforced. The adjudicator had no jurisdiction to do what he did as he proceeded on the incorrect contractual basis. As I said at the outset, beware letters of intent. They often lead to arguments about the terms of the contract between the parties. That can be particularly problematic in an adjudication context. And if you absolutely have to use the letter of intent, be very clear about what is incorporated into it. Thanks for listening. At 39 Essex Chambers, we cover a vast array of practice areas and sectors. You can find out more about our expertise and our barristers at 39essex.com, where you can also see our extensive catalogue of articles, podcasts and webinars.